Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a football Friday. We are geared up for BYU and Arizona State, Utah and San Diego State, Utah State and Air Force. It's a huge Saturday night of college football. Football will start at 5 o'clock and go till midnight with those three games with the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies. And Weaver State with a big game of their own because they got James Madison. That's number three versus number nine in the championship subdivision. They're playing in Ogden, 6 o'clock Saturday night. So there's a lot going on. We're going to start this morning with a Cougar. Lorenzo Fautea, as the Cougars get ready for the Sun Devils, a battle of nationally ranked 2-0 and teams. Here's Lorenzo with the media. Hey, Lorenzo. I was just wondering if maybe you could share with me um, your favorite Tom Homo story or just what he means to you. <laughs> my, my favorite Tom Homo story um, was in 2017. Fall camp, he talked to us as a team. <laughs> And um, the story was interesting. I'm gonna just leave it at that. But that was that was the first time actually I was introduced to Tom Momo because I was a freshman. But that story was that's that's probably like a an in-house story that everybody who's here knows about it. So I'm gonna just leave it at that. And what just makes him so lovable to the community, to the fan base, to the players? Just what makes Tom Momo who he is? I am. Um, he really cares about um, the players, and it's not just football with all the sports here. He really cares about uh, all of us, and he really puts us first, and he thinks about things that we need to do or or what we need, and I think that's what makes him more lovable. He actually, like, he participates in all, all of the sporting events. He... Um, Halloween, he dresses up as a different character and he goes all out, and it just, it just sets the tone for everybody here, especially in the athletic department. Hey, Jared, and then Jay. So I imagine the team has seen Lopa's post-game interview that's become famous after the Utah game. What's been the team reaction to what Lopa said? <laughs> um, for those who are in the YSA war, they, they confirmed that he actually went to church the next day. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, they actually – we saw him at treatment too the, the, uh, the next day on Sunday, and he was going to, to church right after treatment. So uh, we just made sure he, he stuck to his word. <laughs> I, I want to ask about that just a little bit because it's such a big win, you know, the, the – you know, to, the the idea is, oh, you know, you get to celebrate all of Sunday. And a lot of teams work a lot on Sunday, do a lot of work. And that's not BYU's way. Do you view that as a positive? Does that help you guys that Sunday is treated differently? Um, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, the coaches always talk about life of um, a life of balance, especially Kalani and Toyaki. On, for me, on the defensive side, they always um, – emphasize a life of balance and how we need to be with our families on Sunday. Um, he always talks about even when we win or when we lose that we always be with our families after the game. Um, <clears throat> Sundays we go to church and we worship our heavenly father and we still come in, we still come into BYU and on campus to get uh, treatment for our bumps and bruises from the game. So it's kind of like a work day, but it's not, we're coming in and taking care of our bodies and making sure that it's right for the next week. And we also get to um, take a day off and worship and get away from football for a little bit and just be with our families. 
Jay, you're up uh, next. Lorenzo, what impact do you think BYU joining the Big 12 will have on in-state recruits that maybe had multiple offers, including other Power 5 offers? And recently, a lot of those kids have been going outside of Utah or been going away from BYU. What do you think this will do to that young generation growing up of, uh, of recruits? Um, I think it'll be big for us, um, especially for the recruits. Um, being in a big power five, it's, um, it shows that we can hang in there with the big dogs and actually show that we are a, a P5 school. Even when we were independent, um, we try to like emphasize that, that we worked as a P5 school. We Our system was going through as a P5 school. So I think being officially named as a Big 12 school could help out a lot and show uh, the recruits that we are a big time school and that we are, that we can hang in with um, everybody else in the conference. Thanks. All right, let's go Mitch and then Jake. Yeah, so uh, what, what will you and maybe other upperclassmen do to ensure that your teammates are, are showing that razor sharp focus that Kalani uh, alluded to earlier for this week, like you did against Utah? Um, I think it's just the same mindset that we did going into Utah um, transfer transfers over to this week. Um, we, we emphasize that we're taking it week by week um, one game at a time. And that um, as long as we do like our small and simple things as a team and individually, I think our, our sharpness and our focus will be the exact same or even increased for this week's game. Um, I think for us upperclassmen as well, we just we kind of just echo off of what Kalani says and what Kalani gives us is what we echo off to the team. And from there on, it's a, a, our whole system is working and flowing right. A couple of years ago, I remember there was a former player it was one of your teammates who said you guys he felt like you guys play better on the road than you do at home. But as of late, the last couple of years, you guys have been great at home. What do you feel has been? the biggest change now compared to maybe early in your career at BYU on the home games? Um, I think um, it's just, uh, I would say it's just a different mindset going into it from just the belief of Kalani to the players, to the fan base and everything that we've been putting out. Um, being at home has been definitely, especially from last week, has been definitely like we feel comfortable. Even in away games, we feel comfortable. The fan base, um, yeah, that's that's all I can think about right now. Lorenzo, you guys have been very effective in getting after the quarterback this year so far through two games. Is there something special you guys are doing, or is it just finally it's coming together? Uh, all praises to Tuyaki. Um, the game plan that we had, um, as players, we just we just executed correctly, and we, we we trusted in the game plan that we had and the plays that we're going into, and the calls that were being made. We never questioned once of why well, we were calling this, we're calling that. We we, we kind of just executed whatever Tuyaki called, and it. Yeah, it works. Um, pressure on the QE, it works. Blitzes, everything that we've been doing, it's just trusting in each other and trusting in what we're supposed to do as a team. What do you know about Arizona State? They got a pretty high-level quarterback in Jaden Daniels, but what do you know about the Sun Devils? 
Um, they're a good team. Um, I was actually watching their highlights against UNLV. Um, they're a pretty good team, and uh, they got a good quarterback. The quarterback's long, he's lengthy, he can run, he can throw. So um, I ex- I'd, I'd expect them to give us their, their best shine. We'll give them our best shot. So it'll be a good game this Saturday. All right, last two questions, Shep and then Sean. Staying with Arizona State, looking at their production in the first two games, most of their offensive numbers have come on the ground. And I know stopping the run is always a key in every game. Has it become even more important when you look at the numbers that they put up on the ground? Yeah, I mean, it, it'd probably just be the same that how we um, prepared for every week and every team is uh, uh, stopping the run, of course, for, especially for me and the defensive line. Um, stopping the run has always been an, an emphasis every week, but this week we'll take it as we prepared for the past two weeks and we'll do our best to stop the run and to cover our best in just all phases of the game on defense. Zoe, I want to follow up with, with one sentence that you just said a, a moment ago. You said all praises to Tuiaki. Do you feel like Coach E is a little bit underappreciated or maybe has been a little bit underappreciated, whether it's among the fan base or, or somewhere out there? And do you feel like he's getting to be a little more appreciated with what you guys have been able to do the last couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, I felt like he is being underappreciated from the past years. Um, but... Tiaki, we just all trust in him and everything that he does and what he calls. And um, but Tiaki is a guy who doesn't, you know, like he doesn't doesn't care if he's appreciated or if he's underappreciated. He's just a guy who does his job, and um, he's a player's coach as well. He listens to the players, and we listen to him. And our system has been working, and we just our whole defensive side. We all trust in Tiaki and the rest of our coaches. There's Lorenzo Palateo talking BYU football. Coming up next, you're going to hear from Utah quarterback. Charlie Brewer and running back Makai Bernard, as well as Matt Ortiz, who has the Sons of Montezuma podcast and covers San Diego State. That's next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a disappointing loss in the Holy War, the Utes look to rebound as they hit the road to square off against an old Mountain West Conference rival in San Diego State. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Weaver State fans, your ninth-ranked football team takes on number three-ranked James Madison this Saturday, September 18th, 6 p.m. Purchase your tickets now at WeaverStateSports.com or by calling 801-626-8500. That's a huge game. James Madison routinely a semifinalist. Well, they're talking about them moving up. They are. I read a story about the dominoes with the... First, the SEC makes their move. Then the Big 12 makes their move. And where is the American Athletic going to go? And James Madison was talked about moving up and maybe taking a big jump up. They were talking about how much they pay coaches and how many new buildings they have and what their athletic budget is. And James Madison, poised to make the jump. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk about the Utes 
and the Aztecs. Matt Ortiz, co-host of the Sons of Montezuma podcast, joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Matt, good morning. Good morning, DJ PK. So, it has been a while since the youths have seen the Aztecs. Obviously, the Aztecs went through a coaching change. Now they're going through a stadium change. But it looks like they can still run the ball really well, and they still have a really good running back. True story? You know, they sure do. We've had a great chance to sit down with Aztec starting running back Greg Bell. He is the focal point of the offense. I, I seen a crazy stat the other day in the last 50 games. When the Aztecs run the ball over 200 yards, they're something ridiculous like 49 and one. Wow. So Greg Bell is going to be the focus. He's got an amazing journey. His story is one that in San Diego we're very familiar with. He originally wanted to come to state. Things happen on the, on the grades side that he had to go to the JC route in Arizona Western, which proved to be very, very beneficial to him because he ended up going to Nebraska. Things didn't work out there. And now he's back home in San Diego and all Aztec Nation is extremely excited about it. Well, usually if you were uh, running back there, a really good one, in the recent years, you've been an NFL guy. Uh, that, and those are just the facts of the situation. Is this kid an NFL guy? You know, I think he really is. And you hit you, you hit something there because San Diego High School in particular has a really, really proud tradition of running backs. You can go back to Marcus Allen. You can go, you know, as recent as uh, Arian Foster, uh, numerous Heisman Trophy Award winners. The, the kid is cut from the same cloth. His journey, like I said, just took him, you know, different paths. But the, the young man is uh, he's slippery, man. He, he gets through the line very uh, different ways. He's he's got a good uh, burst of speed and he's a tough kid. So can they throw the ball and have some balance? They had some big plays against Arizona. I watched the game, but it was tight end screens. It was little stuff and Arizona guys running at each other and then missing tackles. And <laughs> so all of a sudden it's a 75 yard play, but that's not the same as throwing the ball consistently. Certainly worked that night, but don't know that they'll have that working for them every week. Other defenses will tackle better. What do you think of the passing game? You know, it's it's yet to be seen. It, obviously, I was there at the game uh, last weekend in Tucson, and you know, it was a great atmosphere. We were very excited to see how uh, the quarterback Jordan Brookshire and the offense was going to come out because we knew we were going to have to have a more balanced attack. But you know, hey, I know we haven't been in the same conference with Utah for what is it, ten, eleven years going on now. But there's definitely a a, a lot of respect that us in San Diego have for the program there in Utah. So we know we're not playing U of A anymore. This is not, <laughs> this is not, you know, a bottom team of the PAC 12, you know, we, we definitely respect. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Jordan uh, came out a lot more confident than he did in that first game against New Mexico state, which, I mean, let's be honest, arguably is one of the lesser teams in all FBS so it, w- it was definitely good to see him be uh, a lot more competent, a lot more confident in his play. But, you know, that, that Utah defense is, is a whole different animal coming in this week. So we saw the Aztec program really take off under Rocky Long, and then he leaves, and he turns 70 and goes over back to New Mexico's defensive coordinator, and they bring back Hoke, who was on the staff and obviously had been head coach before. 
How much, if anything, has changed in the philosophy of the Aztec program with Long leaving and Hope taking over for a second time? You know, really not much. You know, obviously, uh, Brady Hope, when he was first here, originally brought Rocky Long in as his defensive coordinator for those first two years. So really, it's just been, you know, we're very fortunate to have an extension of the same philosophy for all these years going strong. Now that, you know, Coach Rocky is back home in New Mexico, um, the the defense really hasn't changed philosophy. And, and obviously, this defense for the Aztecs, the a lot of senior leadership on that defensive line. The, the the linemen, the linebackers are all very, very familiar with the 3-3-5 scheme that was uh, brought here by Rocky. So they're, they're definitely the strength of the team, strength of the defense. And I know that the new defensive coordinator, Kurt Maddox, he, you know, he's he's got all the tools. He's got all the uh, fun parts there to have some fun and dial up some uh, exciting uh, packages there in the defense. So it looks like they've been uh, carrying it on. Do you expect them to blitz a lot because the Utah offensive line struggled with blown assignments against BYU? Do you think that they will bring in a lot of exotic blitzes, give them different looks, try to confuse them, and, and then take advantage of some more blown assignments? Well, you know, that's always the goal, right? With the three three five, you want to give that offense some different looks that they're not used to and disguise where your blitzes are coming from. So, you know, the last two weeks, uh, it, it didn't really require much of that because the, the pressure that our, our front three and four were giving was, was well enough. Um, and the secondary on the back end, which was probably our biggest question mark on the defense. You know, they held their own. We even got some coverage sacks. But with this Utah team, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some new wrinkles, some new uh, disguises coming in there. So I think in a game like this where the two teams are are just obviously defensive-minded teams, it's going to take something a little different from both sides to throw the other defense off. Now, uh, it benefits us, I think, in a certain ways that we've been able to see BYU play our previous two opponents. So a lot of game film watching on our part to see, okay, what did BYU do to finally get over that hump and, and beat Utah? Um, easier said than done, though. So we'll, we'll have to see. So the game's in Carson, two hours away to the north. Uh, Utah's travel roster, I got it right in front of me, that they took down to Provo the other night. They had 20 guys from... Uh, at least uh, within a two, three-hour drive of this stadium, and a lot of them within <laughs> literally minutes of the stadium uh, in yeah. the, right there in the Southern California area. So there's going to be a lot of Utah fans there. Uh, big game, Pac-12 opponent and all that. Uh, what's going to be the atmosphere? Because it's a real funky situation. I can't think of a team playing its home games two hours away from its campus. You know, it really is. You know, all Aztec Nation is very excited. Next season is the grand opening of our new Aztec Stadium. It's uh, it's going to be amazing. That that environment is going to be something that uh, this program has never seen before. Southern California is is going to get a treat. But this season, this one last final year playing in Carson, you know, it's uh, it's it's not ideal. It's not, definitely not ideal. But um, this game is being billed as a blackout. So our fans can come out and get excited. You know, if 
on our perspective, if we could pull this one out, obviously it sets our season up for a little, a lot more of an interesting possibilities. So I know our fans are excited. Like you said, there's a lot of not just LA kids. There's a few San Diego kids there on the youth roster. So I know they will be very well represented, but uh, man, I, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. Uh, it's a lot different than playing in the old uh, Qualcomm Jack Murphy uh, decrepit stadium. So no matter what, man, we're enjoying it. Tailgating is going to be a beautiful atmosphere outside. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, man, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Look forward to the game on Saturday. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate the Olive Branch, guys. SonsOfMontezuma.com. There's Matt Ortiz with the podcast covering the Aztecs now. Here's the Utes quarterback, Charlie Brewer. What was the vibe? What was the mood? What was the message of practice today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we were really disappointed about the loss, but uh, you know, I thought we came out today, corrected the things we needed to correct, and uh, you know, we're on to the next week now. So, did the crowd affect you guys at all? Obviously, it seemed like it was kind of a struggle to get from the huddle to getting plays off. Sometimes, I mean, how much of that played into it? Yeah, I mean, it was loud out there, but I, I think it was just really us just shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, just pretty much that. Where, where do you go from this? Obviously, you know, Kyle's talked about the mistakes that have been made. Where where do you personally go or what do you do to help the team? Yeah, I mean, I think our goals are still right in front of us, right? We um, are still able to achieve, you know, what we want to achieve. So I think now we just correct everything, you know, that we did wrong and just move on. How fun was it just for you to see Bernard really take off as a runner? Yeah, he had a great game, made a lot of big runs. Uh, you know, I, I expect, you know, that he'll do that kind of the rest of the year. Make your job easier? Yeah. <laughs> you, you've obviously lost games before. This isn't your first loss. So how, how do you personally, uh, you know, take charge of this and, and kind of shake it off? Yeah, I mean, I think you just have to go back to the drawing board, see see what, what went wrong and uh, what we need to, you know, improve as as a team individually um, and just get ready for the next one. Do you feel like you guys have a handle on the procedural stuff, getting plays in and out, getting them called a little bit quicker now? I think so. I think, uh, you know, even today corrected a lot of things. Um, still have some things to correct and get better at for sure, though. Really kind of an open-ended question, but what was your biggest takeaway from the game as a whole? Yeah, I just did not think we played great at all. I think offensively just played really sloppy and uh, – going to have to play a lot better this week. Not to use it as an excuse or anything, but how long does it take for a new quarterback to get completely familiar with all the skill guys, you know, because you didn't play with any of these guys until last spring? Yeah, I mean, I think I've done that. I think, you know, through the off season, and, you know, I think just from week to week it gets better and better. Um, but, you know, that's no excuse for, for this past Saturday. We uh, did not play good. What did you think of that little BYU rivalry? Yeah, I thought it was a great atmosphere. You know, just wish we could have won it. San Diego State this week, what do you know about the Aztecs right now? They're really good. They uh, play really good on defense. Um, I know they beat Arizona pretty badly. So, you know, we're going to have to you know, play a lot better than we did this past week. Do you feel like the stuff you didn't like, the stuff that were mistakes or whatever it was, are fixable in a week? I think so, for sure. I think uh, I think the guys are motivated. Um, I think we all kind of felt embarrassed. So, uh, you know, I think that we'll have a really good week of practice. 
There's Utah quarterback Charlie Brewer. Here's the guy who has surged back in front in the battle for the running back position, Makai Bernard. All right, dude, you ready to take over the number one spot? Have they have given you any indication what's going to happen? Uh, no indication at all. It's up to the coaches. You know, we're just going to continue to play the game. You know, all, we got a good group of guys, and we're just going to keep working hard, and we'll see what happens. Did that feel like a long time coming, you know, just the way you broke out after – showing the patience that you have to play on? Uh, it did, it did. I mean, I've been wanting to get back to my old self, and uh, I felt like uh, I'm getting there, and uh, I still got a long way to go, so just got to keep it up. How do you describe your old self, okay? Uh, you know, just what I did Saturday night. You know, I, I've done a lot of that in high school, and I, I've been trying to change it over to college, and, you know, did a lot uh, on Saturday night, so trying to get back to it. Was it difficult to show in practice with five other, four other backs competing with you? I wouldn't say it's difficult. It's, I, I mean, it's just we have a. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I just game game feeling is different than practice feeling. That's all I can say about that. They say running backs need to get in the rhythm. You know, you can't keep coming in and out in order. To, did you find that to be true for yourself? That you need to be in there and getting the ball to get some kind of flow going. Uh, yeah, you, you find it true. To, uh, so, coach, like he tried to give us, you know, one drive, you know, each. So you get a whole drive, and you know, it helps us out a little bit. But yeah, you know, try to catch a rhythm. But other than that, you know, I've been I've been in this program for two years now, and I'm used to whatever I'm given. So. I actually asked Coach Witt today what was the one thing that he liked from the game, and he mentioned your name. How does that make you feel knowing that your head coach says you? Uh, I mean, it makes me feel pretty good, but uh, we got a lot of things to work on. I'm not the only one on this team. We got offense, defense. We got a shoot 100, 100 guys on this team, 100 plus. So, you know, I'm not the only one on this team. I feel good about that, but we all got something to work on. You also talked about inconsistency with the offense today. How do you guys get back to being a little bit more consistent? Oh, uh, you know, we just got to practice harder. You know, uh, we took. I wouldn't say we took it light last week. We we worked our ass off last week. Excuse my language. I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we we worked hard last week. But we got to work even harder this week coming off a of L. So your path to the end zone on Saturday wasn't easy. It was also really exciting. Is that a good indication of what you're capable of as a runner? Oh uh, yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I feel like I got a lot more than than that. I, you know, I busted a couple good runs, but I got to finish those, and that was just only a little bit. What do you think about the family and Carson? Because it's not going to be too far from where you made your mark, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, I got a lot of family coming. Uh, so I got to just put on for them. My family called me all last week or, or Sunday, you know, and we uh, we just chopped it up about the game, you know. But it's going to be cool to have them in town and, you know, ball out in front of them. How about maybe high school coaches and friends and stuff? Uh, yeah, you know, a couple called me. They, uh, they said they're going to get tickets to the game and try to come and see me. So it's going to feel good. What was the vibe and the message today at practice? Uh, it was just, you know, we just got to lock in. Um, we had a day off to, to think about it, recover, and we just got to lock in. We're, we're past that, and uh, so on to a new week. A lot of good running backs tend to get stronger as the game progresses. How would you evaluate your ability to have endurance and be stronger as you get late in the third and fourth quarters? Um, you just you start to get your legs back. I mean, beginning of the game, you're kind of tight, kind of tense, and uh after halftime, you start to feel loose and stuff. So I feel like, yeah. for me, after halftime, my legs feel good. Uh, I can run more. So it's just it's a different feeling. Because it did seem like you were better in the second half. Right. And, uh, you know, we just we, we went in the locker room. We changed some stuff up. And we just got everything we needed. I mean, it wasn't enough. But we, we just changed a little bit up. And it was good. You got some action coming out of the backfield as far as receiving. Uh, how good do you feel about that and your role to be able to be productive there? 
uh, like Coach Wood said, you know, I'm going a, I'm to a thread out the backfield. So, you know, I try to thrive on that. I mean, it's a, it's a big blessing for me that I have the hands I have. So I try to use it. Uh, I love how the coaches incorporate me into all that. So it's a, it's a good feeling. When you first came here, you were young, right? You were 17. 17. When you first got here at that age, what were the difficulties of just trying to get acclimated to everything that you're being asked to do? I mean, it's just grown men, you know? Yeah. It was, I'm still 17, still a child, you know? Coming out of high school, I was, I was young in high school too, so, but it's just a lot of grown men. I'm seeing a lot of people 24, 25, it was just a different feeling. But, you know, being around this team and this family, I got acclimated to it pretty good. When a kid goes to college and doesn't see success right away, a lot of them go right to the portal and look for something else. How, you know, can you just reflect on the fact that you've shown persistence and you didn't just run, right? You put in the work to get where you are. Right, um, you know, just out of my freshman year, uh, went back and watched the film last year and I was just like, I've gotten so much better. And I, I, I literally seen that on film that I've changed from one year to another. And I was just like, I can only get better. So, you know, that's just what I took out of me. What's been the biggest difference for you this season? Uh, biggest difference? I feel like just being a leader, you know, being the leader in the room. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys come and ask me questions, and I can answer those because I've been in the program for two years now. Uh, so I feel I feel like that's the difference. All right, there's Makai Bernard talking Utes and talking Utes and Aztecs. Although I really believe this game is more about the Utes than anything else. If the Utes come out and play their A game, they should win. If they play a B minus game, they could be in a lot of trouble. All right, we'll get to that later in the show. Coming up next, a little NFL football. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst and Pac-12 analyst. We'll talk Pac-12 and Raiders. How about that? We'll do that next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After their emotional win against the Utes, BYU welcomes in another Pac-12 opponent as Arizona State rolls into Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined once again by Lincoln Kennedy, analyst for the Pac-12 Networks and... Raiders radio analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Lincoln, good morning. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? <laughs> We're good. We're just wondering how you are. I was sitting next to Brent Musper while he yelled jackpot so many <laughs> times. It was a crazy Monday night game that looked like it was over multiple times, but it isn't over till it's over. True story. True story. You're absolutely right. And uh, it was it was funny because the the first jackpot we thought that the game ended when Brian Edwards you know looked like he crossed the goal line, but but you know we were trying to. I was trying to slow him down because I saw the referee going over to the monitor to check the replay. I'm like, wait a minute, this is not clear, even though the, the guys were out in the field shaking hands and everything else. So we had to play a little bit more, but you know the Raiders were able to finish it, and, and it was a, it was a great game. First game with fans in there, right? As far as yeah. uh, the Raiders, how was the atmosphere? Uh, electric. 
I mean, really, it, that's the best way to describe it. It was it, there was a frenzy even before the game started. Um, you know, I, I think you know going into Vegas, uh, just personally speaking, a lot of people thought that you know this is going to be different. It's going to be you know how Vegas, Vegas is about glitz and entertainment, but you know to have Gladys Knight sing the national anthem, then you had Too Short and Ice Cube doing the halftime show. You had a, a host of celebrities all through the monitor every time there was a TV timeout and everything else. Uh, it was it was something to see. Uh, and, and I think the fans really enjoyed it because there it's been, you know, I've been affiliated with the Raiders for quite some time, but never have I found an electricity quite like that was uh, on Monday night. So I'm curious, is there any uh, sense in Vegas how many of those fans were from Vegas and are now embracing the team? How many are people who flew in from Oakland, because those people are hardcore. And how many people drove up from L.A., because they still got a pretty good fan base from there, from their days in the 80s and 90s? Well, the Raider Nation has always been well-traveled. It, is, it doesn't matter where you are. I remember when playing, my playing days, didn't matter where we went, um, there was always a good uh, foundation of fans that were going to support and go and travel with the team. So it's anyone's guess where they all came from. But the, the fact is, is that they showed up. The Raiders now have a true home in Allegiant Stadium. And I think the fans that showed that they were there really appreciated the fact that this was the Raiders' home. More importantly, the way it showed on TV, I know there are a lot of people who were mad that they missed it. I was really impressed with just the ability to come back because it looked like they had the potential to get the game get away from them because yeah. it looked like it was all about Baltimore early, obviously, and then we know what happened. I'm wondering, as I watch Carr... It seems to me, and you would know much better, that he has the potential to be an elite quarterback in this league. What would you say to that? I think he's always had that potential. It's just his discretion and his decision-making. One of the things that stood out to me about Carr in that, in that last performance on Monday night is the fact that 19 times he tried to go to Darren Waller, and he completed 10 of the passes. Um, it, it seemed almost forced. It wasn't until the second half to where I think things settled down. And, look, I've been one of those guys who's all along said, I think everyone needs a preseason for nothing more than timing and just getting into a, a, a sort of a groove on how the game day works. Um, there were a lot of timing passes that, that Carr missed. Um, uh, and he settled down the second half and made a lot of completions, a lot more completions than he did in the first half. But uh, I think the, the, the possibility of being, quote-unquote, elite has always been a part of him because he's a, he's a quarterback that's capable of making all the throws. I just don't know when it gets later in the season if – He's not so predictable and 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 so you know so well read that that he can't separate himself from everyone else. So what happened? I always think of the Ravens, whether their defense is good or great, it never seems to be worse than good. Mm-hmm. And suddenly in the fourth quarter, the Raiders are shedding it. I mean, they're they're down. They needed three separate scores in the fourth quarter. They're behind yeah. three times, and they got all three to get to OT. What did they do? What what changed everything? Turnovers. The the Ravens had turnovers. Um, Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball a couple times, most notably in uh, in, in overtime uh, when they got the ball back after the interception. Look. The, the, the thing is that the, I think the Raiders were fortunate to win this football game, um, but they, they got a little bit of a hint to what's going to go on this season. Teams are going to walk into the Raiders or play the Raiders noting, noting that they want to take Darren Waller out of the equation. 
Derek Carr has to recognize that. You can't force the ball to a guy who's being double covered. You've got to go somewhere else. And it wasn't until he started going other places to where the open the offense actually opened up. Um, and they were fortunate enough to have time to do that. More importantly, with the turnovers and the miscues by, by Lamar Jackson, um, he played right into their hands being very careless and loose with the ball allowed the Raiders to stay into it and most notably after the interception on the, uh, on the goal line in overtime and when the, the Ravens had the ball you know to, to miscalculate a blitz or adjusting the, the formation of blitz, you let a defensive end come free off the right side. Carl Nassib, that's who calls the, uh, the, the fumble on Lamar Jackson, being careless with the football. That's what led to the, uh, to the demise of the Ravens. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, Jackson, uh, MVP, electric and all that. But does he got what it takes through the throw, as Kyle Whittingham would say, the throw game for him to take that next step? He does. They they have to have a run game. Unfortunately, they've been hampered by injuries. We saw yeah. some flashes out of Tyson Williams um, um, over the, the, the you know Monday night. He was able to come through. I think Latavius Murray was was a great addition for him. But Latavius still has to learn the the offense um, as well as any other running backs they want to have back there. But they have to have a running game. They have to be balanced. Um, they don't have enough on the receiver side to really open things up other than Marquise Brown. And when you you look at uh, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, um, there are still some times he struggles with his reads and struggles with reading defenses, um, but the fact is, is that he's such an electric player, he can do things on his legs. I think he wants to show this season, what I got from him in one game, is that he wants to show that he can do it with his arm, and I think that's a mistake. You have to be balanced, take what the defense gives you, and more importantly, when they, when they open up a holes for you to run, use it. The NFL season is longer than ever now with 17 games, so there's yeah. plenty of time to get off to a good start and wreck it. There's plenty of time to get off to a bad start and rally and save it. But the division did go 4-0. Any surprises in the AFC West, or you saw it all coming? No, I, you know what I've I said all along when they, were, when they were talking about the overall competition for the, the, the division, that we know what you're going to get out of Kansas City. That's already been established over the last couple of years. I think the Chargers are on the rise, obviously, now they've got a quarterback. They just mismanaged some games you know, collectively last season, which I thought they would have a better record. Uh, and then Denver eventually is going to figure it out. They had too many good pieces not to figure it out, but they're going to figure it out. And, and whether it's with you know Teddy Bridgewater or they decide to go somewhere else, Denver is always going to be competitive. So it's going to be a competitive division. And that's why when people were talking about the over and under for the Raiders, I said, look, with the schedule they have playing the, uh, the AFC uh, East uh, and then um, and as well as play, or North, I should say, as well as playing the NFC East, um, it, it, there's it's going to be a very tough, difficult schedule. And the Raiders, you know, look, were very scarred from Monday night. They were able to come with the win. But yesterday, guys, they had 17 yeah. guys on the injured list, uh, and, and three guys were, uh, two guys were lost for the season: Denzel Good and Gerald McCoy. Uh, so it was a very hard price to pay for the win on Monday night. You have been consistent on your thoughts on the preseason, and we've seen uh, Aaron Rodgers basically take the whole year off, nothing yeah. that he did in the off season, and then he goes out and stinks. You draw a direct correlation there. Yes, I do. I do. You know, look, understanding and uh, understanding situations and scenarios is one thing. And I think pros and veterans like Aaron Rodgers can do that. But there's a timing that's, that, that comes with the game and a game feel. There's, there's, 
there's a rhythm that you get in. There's a certain type of energy that you exude when you're playing actually a football game rather than going through practice. Practice, you're just trying to get through it. Your brother-in-law and across the board. I remember as an offensive lineman that I would never try to take out my my frustrations and my aggressions on my teammates. You know, the, the, the practice. I didn't want to hurt anybody. But when you come to a game, I, I, I saw red. You had a different colored helmet on. I was trying to take your head off. I was trying to decapitate you. That's a different energy. Even if it was even the preseason. Even if I was only playing two series, it's still the energy that's that's there. Um, the reason why I think preseason is necessary is because there's a rhythm that you get in when you go through a game time situation. Everything from the setup to the pregame to the introduction, everything, the game time, managing your energy, everything, that's all different. That can only be displayed in practice when you do it. Preseason to me is essential for everyone. And you don't have to have a lot of it, but you still have to have the essential of building up and working towards that. And I think you saw Derek Carr was, was the main example, but you guys mentioned Aaron Rodgers. The timing was off. The timing with his receivers on crossing routes, that takes time. I mean, that, that, that takes doing. You have to do it full speed, not just practice. It takes you doing. Now, so when you, when you talk about preseason, from everyone, from the offensive line, the quarterbacks, everyone across the board, everyone needs to see some snaps to get into a rhythm and understand that lather of what it, what it means to be in a game day situation. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raiders radio analyst and Pac-12 network analyst. So the Pac-12 South, we had it all figured out, except USC's lost their head coach, ASU's <laughs> lost three assistant coaches, USC or Utah's lost a game to a rival, USC's lost a conference game, and UCLA took down LSU. How much are you rethinking what you thought about the Pac-12 South? How much do you still believe what you thought about the Pac-12 South? You know what? It's 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 anyone's guess where the Pac-12 collectively. As a whole, I mean, my 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 alma mater started this is all two. Um, you know, going into last weekend, I remember sharing the, the information with Greg Heiser because we did the Wazoo Portland State game on the Pac-12 Network. That you know, after Oregon beat Ohio State, it, it could very well be a great day because Colorado led Texas A&M, so on and so forth. Um, but as we sit right now, I, I think that the, it's really unfortunate because. You know, SC is trying to make its mind of where they're going to go. And there's been several rumors out there about different coaches' possibilities from Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of Kansas City Chiefs, to other people, so on and so forth. SC has to make a splash because SC is that big and that grand of a program. Um, it's great for UCLA to take down LSU. It's great for the Pac-12 to show that they can beat an SEC uh, school uh, when it hasn't happened in quite some time in the past. Um, but at the same point, the big markers for the Pac-12 aren't doing so well. And um, that includes SC as well as UW. Um, it's going to be anyone's guess on how they finish. But, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of football to be played. We'll see what SC figures out or where they go from there. But I think SC has to make a splash with the namesake because SC is SC. But I just don't know where you go. Urban Meyer's not going to leave the, lane, the game, uh, leave Jacksonville. Um, and it would cost too much to try to get him out. I, don't, I still don't think he's gone. So I, I just don't know where SC goes to make that splash. So you got that Washington connection as being one of their more uh, famous alums as a football player up there. I, I'm thinking maybe you have some inside information. I'm thinking Chris Peterson. I mean, this dude is really good, and he's only 56 years old. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. I talked to Coach Peterson when he first left, and um, he said that 
he was just worn out. He was worn out of everything that goes on, the rigors of college football. And I can understand that. And, and there's usually, look, when, it, when it's in your blood, it's in your blood, just like Urban Meyer, eventually you come back. I just don't know if, if uh, you know, Jennifer Cohen, the athletic director of UW, it can do enough to cite him to get back. Um, uh, and I don't know if he wants to come back. Right. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's a very cushy job sitting in the studio on Fox Sports, guys, talking <laughs> about football when you just, get, just sit there in the green room all day and watch it. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> Trust me, I know. So I don't know if he wants to come back. I think SC is an even more enticing job, though, with name, image, and likeness. There's no cheating anymore. It's go time. <laughs> you can cheating. make this happen. There's always cheating. Okay, there is always cheating. There could be academic fraud, so that hasn't changed a bit. That's still right. over there. But as far as some rich USC booster in Orange County or Hollywood or whatever, hooking up a player, go get him, Tiger. Yeah, that's NIL. NIL is best. I mean, it, you, you look at you look at college football as a whole. There's amateur free agency with the transfer reporter, and there's NIL. And unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of universities around the country who want to sit back on their laurels and say, you know what, we offer a high education, or we offer this or that. We don't need to compete, but or or try to get involved in stuff like NIL and paying students or paying athletes um, uh, that money but the truth of the matter is that if you don't you're missing the pot i mean you really are you you're really you're missing the boat the fact is is that if you don't other places are and they're playing well and so all of a sudden that becomes a factor in recruiting that becomes a factor in, uh for players decision making and and next thing you know you've got school one school who's loaded way more up on a talent level than others ones around them so a week ago, Lincoln, I was ready to bench Anthony Brown. Shows you how much I know. Now I think he's a favorite to win the Heisman. Anthony Brown, really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding on the ladder. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding on the ladder, but I, I just did not expect them to go into Columbus and win. And he looked great, and they won. Yeah, you know what? I will say this. Um, Anthony Brown in the first two games hasn't looked as solid as I think you need for a championship-caliber quarterback. Uh, and what I mean by that is you know, getting them in the college football playoff and really making a, a stay. But the run game has, and Oregon needs to understand that. Um, Anthony Brown needs to understand, uh, has to have more trust in his offensive line, which I think will come. And more importantly, he needs to stop you know, deciding to run so much because I think he's going to be beat up throughout the season. He's taken some really big hits the first couple of games I watched. So, um, uh, you know, to me, it's it's like he's got to have more confidence in his offensive line, more confidence in his receivers, find ways to throw the ball instead of throwing, you know, a little check down or short routes, be able to stretch the field. But more importantly, utilize that run game. And, and I think Oregon's best aspect is that run game. I think they'll get to it. I think Mario Cristobal and his staff have learned any, something after the first two games. They'll try to put all the illness on their quarterback. Let's use this run game. And, of course, they had a big time uh, one in, in Ohio State with running the football. We will leave it right there, Lincoln. We appreciate the time, as always. And we will talk to you again next week. Always a pleasure, guys. You be well. There is Lincoln Kennedy. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines coming up next.